Welcome to Uncommon Sense. I'm your host, Jill Gleba, and we're talking to inspirational, common, and imperfect people just trying their best and trying to gain some uncommon sense. Jean started out with humble beginnings and had a few setbacks along the way. She worked four part-time jobs, raised her kids, and went to college at the same time. Her work ethic and experience, even the menial jobs, led her to an ideal career as a writer, author, and lifestyle expert. Every step counted and gave her something valuable. She started out on government assistance and has taken small steps to make progress. Finding a career, raising six children, and losing a spouse are just part of her story. If you are feeling stuck or are not happy with where you are in life, this episode may be inspirational to you. I'm Jill Gleba with Uncommon Sense. This podcast helps everyday people figure out their way in life, and we love to share these stories. And today I have a guest, Jean Roman. We're going to have a good time today. Um, she's a lifestyle expert, and she shares gardening, cooking, and organizational tips. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad we met each other. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me here, Jill. I'm really uh, excited to chat with you about you know my story and how we met even and kind of all how it came together. What attracted me to have you on the show was really you've been through a lot and you have a good story and you're positive and you might inspire others that they might not be in the best position right now, but they'll figure it out and they'll see that you did too. And I love that because we all have stuff. Everybody has things they've gone through in life. I don't know anyone that hasn't. In my opinion, it's nice to share because what you go through life and things that happen to you have to do with money. Absolutely. And having enough money is important. You just need it to live on and buy groceries in everyday life. Mm -hmm. And I'm not wrapped up about money on having it. It's really just what it could do for us, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, like to set the scene, like where you grew up and that type of thing. Okay. Yeah, because I think, you know, from our original conversation, I could probably take up half the podcast <laughs> just with my backstory. But in a nutshell. It's a good backstory, though. And I think that's going to be a big part of the podcast. Yeah, well, I hope so. I hope that, you know, my story can inspire somebody else to take the, I always say on my podcast, um, you know, it's that leap of faith, right? And it's hard to always take it because, you know, sometimes we're in a comfort spot that, you don't want to let go of. And, and that's okay too. But, you know, in a nutshell, I'm Canadian. I uh, was born in Canada, Windsor, Ontario. And uh, I came over to the States once I married my first husband. We ended up having a farm up in the Thumb of Michigan, probably for about the 15 years of our 25 years together. Um, mother of six uh, from my marriage, one daughter, 30, and five boys ranging from 25 down to, or almost 26 now, down to 13. So, Busy mom. Wow. But um, I always like to kind of go back to those Mennonite days because that's where I really learned a lot of what I'm doing now, gardening, writing. I wrote my cookbook during that time. Um, I learned how to can and preserve, which is what I teach now, what my cookbook is based on. And then I learned how to garden, which is another part of my you know, social media and my blog and what I teach. So you didn't know these things before you moved up there and started a farm. That's not how you grew up. So you didn't know that. Not at all. No. And I want to mention to the audience, I forgot to mention that you are a writer and an author. You have a blog and you have a book, but that'll come up along the way. But I wanted to mention that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jill. 
So during those 15 years, I really learned everything that I'm now living and, you know, trying to teach other people. A lot of people are interested in sustainability and, you know, preserving their own food and eating healthy and, you know, gardening and canning. I do everything organically. I never guilt people into doing things organically. My philosophy is simple. I would rather have somebody garden anyway than not at all. Of course, I try to teach companion planting, organic gardening, raised bed gardening, and how to utilize what they grow in the kitchen. But if you're not even interested in that, you know, supporting your local businesses, especially farmers markets, I'm a huge advocate for that. My ex-husband and I, during those years of farming and growing, uh, we were farmers market vendors. And I am back. Last year, I actually started being a vendor at a farmers market locally here in my area as well, the Wald Lake Farmers Market. Yep, I would mention it. Yeah, and uh, so I'm super excited. I've actually partnered up with a couple of my grower friends and we're gonna start a new CSA for 2024. So lots coming on that as well. But um, I guess my story in a nutshell is I left my husband, uh, decided to get a divorce after many years of unhappiness. And I started working four part-time jobs and going back to school. Oh, geez. I went back to school at uh, 41. And uh, graduated, got my associate's degree, went back to, and finished my bachelor's degree with honors and uh, graduated in 2019. Let's back up, though. How did you support kids while working yeah. all those part-time jobs and going to school? And yeah, talk about that a little bit, because that's tough. My first year uh, after I left, when I left, I took my income tax return that year and I bought a 1999 Ford F-150 that had a back seat. What year was that? 2014. And then uh, a very, very good friend of mine, Tim Travers, he is the owner of Goldner Walsh Garden and Home. He actually and I met at a farmer's market where I was vending and he asked me to start a farmer's market at his location, which we did. We only did it for a year, but it just anyways, it was what it was. But Tim and I have still been friends. I teach classes at his place now still. And he really gave me the ability to leave because he put a roof over my head. And there at that point. So you were plotting not to be. No, I, I, I'm not going to take anything from your ex. But for people that are maybe in a bad situation. Yeah. That's what I love about my story to tell people. My goal and my story is to tell people you can do it. The only one in your way is you. You kind of um, gathered up money, tried to line up jobs. Mm -hmm. You did what you could so you could um, make the move, if you will. Yeah, I worked as a assistant manager at a greenhouse. I ran the Dodge Park Farmers Market. Uh, they consulted with me to start that farmers market. And I was the manager there for five years. I did my meat runs to my customer, which is another long story from farmers market. And uh, then I was a laundress for a woman. I went to her house and did her laundry two days a week for 18 bucks an hour. And I busted my butt. Wow. And I was going to school full time, taking care of a three and a five-year-old. And uh I did what I had to do to get ahead. Did you have a babysitter to help with the kids? Because it's hard for people to get yes. jobs if they don't have somebody to watch. So how did you manage the cost of that? I took, I accepted, I utilized food stamps for three years. Good. And um, I paid into that for several years and I never abused it when I was able to get off of that. But that really helped me during those first years. My first year of uh, being separated and divorced, I made $24,000 with two little boys and I paid rent and all my utilities. The only assistance I got was food stamps. I don't want to be negative on that because- Oh no, absolutely not. Part of my story is don't be ashamed of that. 
if you need a little assistance, you've paid into it for so many years, you're not abusing it. It helped me. If I wouldn't have had that, I could not have done partly of what I did. Right. And then I was going back to school. Like I said, I was in school full time, working four part time jobs and taking care of my two little boys. And, you know, I had a house that I paid rent and I paid all my utilities and cable and whatnot. And uh, wow, I was very smart. I did not get into any type of credit card debt. I sat and cried several times when my little boy wanted to play soccer and I couldn't afford it. Oh, geez. But when I could, he did. I worked. You know, we're talking to you about, you know, what your podcast is about. You know, the people who are working out there trying to invest their money. One thing that I can say is don't go into credit card debt. Yeah. And I've told my children. If you have a $5,000 credit card, you don't have $5,000 extra. You have that $5,000 as if an emergency, but it's not to go and do all your Christmas shopping or, oh, I want to go on a vacation or I want to do this. If you don't have the money to pay off your credit cards each month, then don't charge it. Well, I always tell people if you are gathering up credit card debt, it means that you couldn't afford to pay for what you bought. And yeah. I'll share a story just to continue this, but my daughter was, um, I believe it was either high school or college, and she went to a concert with some friends, and she, it had to have been college because she was working, and she said to her friend, do you want my mom to pay you because I have to make payments to pay you for this concert ticket? She goes, oh, I put on a credit card, and my daughter's like, yeah, right, so you have to pay that off, so I'll tell you what, I'll ask my mom to give you the money, and I'll make payments to my mom. She goes, no, no, I put on a credit card. No big deal. The interest. And my daughter, she goes, listen. She goes, if you don't pay that credit card off when you get the first bill, they're going to charge you 20% and and you're going to pay way more for our tickets. Or more. And she literally was explaining to her friend how a credit card worked. And I, it was just fascinating how some people just don't know how those work. So it's interesting to me because you juggled Obviously, you had to have juggled your hours yeah. because your kids and you were figuring out napping and this. You had to juggle somebody to watch them mm-hmm. or you dragged them to the farmer's market and everywhere with you. Yes, it was an evening farmer's market. And yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And the owner of the greenhouse was a friend of mine. So he allowed me to schedule. You know, I was able to drop the boys off at preschool and, and school and then go to work and leave to be able to pick them up. I was very fortunate. And another thing that I always tell my kids and friends and whatnot is don't burn bridges you may want to cross later. You never know. You should treat everybody yeah. with kindness because I've had. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That gentleman, I know I could go back. If I was in dire straits right now, I know I could go back to him and say, you know what? I need a job. You know, he knows me. He knows I know what I'm doing in a greenhouse. I was one of his best workers. And uh, I know I could go there. You know, people oftentimes, and I really feel like with the younger generation, man, It's like, they'll just quit. They'll just ghost a job, you know, the whole ghosting thing. And they'll just walk out. And my friend, Tim, uh, he had like his event manager not too long ago. And I called because I, like I said, I was teaching monthly classes there all during the year. And I texted her and said, hey, you know, I just want to check on numbers and whatnot. And she just like, oh, I'm not there anymore. That was it. So I was glad she at least responded to me. So I texted Tim and said, hey, I said, you know, who am I supposed to be contacting? And she just totally ghosted him. And she was there for over a year. Don't burn bridges you may want to cross later because in life, and if anybody can take something away from that, just remember, it is not what you know, it is who you know in the business world. Oh, totally agree. And I I learned something a long time ago. I was really young 
I started out just selling insurance and investments, but mostly insurance. And then I, of course, went on my own. But I met a couple and they wanted a stockbroker. They really didn't want just an insurance person with investments that were mutual funds. And they said they didn't want to hire me in the most kind way I've ever been like, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. And after I hung up with them, they said, you know, you were wonderful. We really enjoyed meeting you, but we want A and your B. They were honest. And it was great. And after that, I learned, wow, you just be honest with people. I think young people or anybody, some people are afraid to be honest that it's negative. And actually, you're better off being honest, even if it is negative. Even if they react negatively, Mm -hmm. it's a good way to just be. Actually, I'm very honest because I won't remember what I said otherwise. (laughs) So, (laughs) Yeah, better be honest in those circumstances. And my old, my 54-year-old brain here, yeah, it's uh, too much to remember a (laughs) lot. But you know, I wanted, I kind of lingered on this because I grew up um, five jobs going to college. Uh-huh. I was lucky to live at home. I paid a very minimal rent, and my parents made me because they were teaching me that's how life works. Yes. Um, they weren't being mean. They just, that's the way it was. There's nothing wrong with the million part-time jobs. <laughs> that's what you got to do. Yeah. Um, also, these minimal jobs that you're all working are going to develop skills that you've got to be the best person you can be in every job you have. Yeah, absolutely. You actually don't know where that's going to lead to. I have um, a McDonald's worker that now runs and owns a McDonald's because they developed the skills to do so. Go figure. Yep, exactly. And, you know, managing the farmer's markets and the people that I met during that time, you know, after I graduated, that led me into my career with the city of Dearborn's DDA as their event manager and then later as the director of events for the Dearborn Chamber. Look at that. And so without all of that experience... I would have had the degree, but not the relevant experience to go along with it. Remembering that every little step is getting you closer to where you want to go. And, you know, talking about just different streams of revenue. I consider myself an entrepreneur. I mean, you're looking at people, you know, your, your podcast is touching, you know, the working class people, but there's entrepreneurs in that level too. And a lot of times entrepreneurs have multiple streams of revenue. And that is me. Like I do, I teach classes. I'm a vendor at a farmer's market. I grow my produce. I sell meat. I sell my cookbook. I, oh gosh, there's a couple of things I can't even think right now. But I teach classes at different, uh, and workshops. I do speaking engagements. So all of that adds up into my, and I invest every month. Your skills all go together too. Yeah, exactly. To me, they're all, your skills are many. Mm-hmm in the same lane and either, and you're all over. And and to me, that fits you. Mm -hmm. And someone else might say, you know what, I just want to go in this lane, but it's still the same skills. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that you were on assistance, I like hearing that because that's what it's for. (laughs) You used it for exactly why um, I'm happy that people take assistance, they get on their feet, they move on. That's what we want. Yeah. That's what we want. And you're showing people you did it too. You did it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, another thing it's like, I always say, don't be ashamed of that. If you're utilizing that resource because you've paid into it for many years and now you need it and especially to advance yourself. Like I said, I wasn't sitting at home, not working and going to school. I was working four part-time jobs, going to school, raising two boys, and I need a little bit of help. 
And I'm not ashamed of that. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And the fact that you were married a long time too, you said 20 plus years, right? Yeah. That's tough because some of us listening um, might not be in the best situation and you think, well, I've been in it this long. Well, here's the thing I always tell everybody. What would make your life better if you only just look forward? Don't look back on what's been. Um, just look forward and say, what's going to be best for me looking forward? And then just keep working toward that. Yep. And so you did that. And finances and children are often the times where you know people stay in a situation that they may not necessarily want to, or if there's not an education. But you know, I mean, I utilized grants and loans to get my education and, you know, paying back student loans now. I didn't have to get a lot because I did qualify for a lot of it being grants. Good. But I also utilized some of the loans to live on while I'm going to school. So that was another thing that helped me. And I have no problems with paying that back. I'm very grateful for the opportunity that that provided me. And then when I was able to get a full-time job in my career, you know, that was awesome. And then, you know, then I'm paying back into it so that maybe somebody else can. So, you know, I love for my story to inspire somebody to take that leap of faith. And if you listen to my podcast, I talk about that oftentimes. My podcast, yeah, I, my podcast focuses primarily on female entrepreneurship. Listened to a few already and I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you got something from it. You enjoyed them. Life is all about taking that leap of faith. And even in investing, you know, you can take that philosophy in investments. And, you know, somebody might think, oh, I got a thousand dollars, but oh my gosh, what am I going to do with it? And if you can find a good investor, find a good source of, you know, where you can invest that money, it can ex exponentially grow. Well, I do have an investing platform that I put in still a little bit of money every month. Yes. And then I also have my two youngest sons. They have their, it's called a later account. And I put in $50 a month for each of their accounts. And for their education, I invest in their MESP, which is the Michigan Education Savings Plan. Which is wonderful. And I, when my kids were approaching driving a car, we told them we'd match them dollar for dollar. Yep. So it made them invested in the fact they're going to buy a car. And I think it's true, maybe not with everyone, but the fact that they bought their car with us, mm -hmm. they took care of it better oh, yeah. than if I just would have bought it for them. Oh, yeah. When they work for those dollars, it's like, you know, that $169 pair of AirPods that, oh, mom or dad, can you buy me that? When they're actually working, if they're making $15 an hour and they have to figure, well, how many hours do I have to work to get this? Wow, I got to put that many hours into it to get that? Do I really need it? It really creates a sense of responsibility and awareness. And for parents listening, I think the funniest uh, enjoyment for parents is when your son or daughter gets their first job, they get their first paycheck, and they think they're going to get every dime. And they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> My this, son isn't, this isn't what I thought I was going to get paid. And then you show them uh -huh. that taxes were taken out and what taxes pay for. And it's really quite funny. Yeah. I remember my, so my oldest is my daughter. She just turned 30. I was telling you. And then my oldest son uh, is 26. And I remember very clearly his first paycheck and he's, you know, t okay. I worked, you know, 21 hours and I get this much per hour. And I'm, and then he's like, huh? what happened? <laughs> oh, no, buddy. That's yeah, that's reality. And we had talked about it with him 
but you know, he didn't really comprehend it, I guess. But he's like, I can't believe how much they take. And it's like, yeah, they take it. <laughs> and, you know, and even then, the value of that dollar now even became more precious because it's like, well, if every dollar I make, I'm only going to get like 60 some cents. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like they don't spend so frivolously. They don't. And it's funny to mention this because in my book, I talk about anybody can start investing. You made a good point there. I just want to repeat that investing is just like life. You're going to invest, say, your $1,000, and maybe this year the market's down and next year it's up. But over time, you know you're headed in the right direction. It's all going to work out. Yeah. But it's not perfect. Life's not perfect either. And neither investing is not every day the market goes up. It doesn't do that. It kind of wavers. And it's like a mountain. It does go up. Um, inflation, cost of living has always gone up. I mean, they've measured it since, I'll sound a little nerdy, but they've been measuring the market since 1926. And if you look at the chart, it always goes up. It's just bumpy going up. That's all. Yeah. You guys want to be higher highs and lower lows each time. (laughs) Yeah. But thank you for sharing. It's a little vulnerable sometimes to be in a podcast and you have one. So maybe not so much for you, but it's hard sometimes for people to share their stories because yeah. we had a guest that shared a very, um, very good story. And afterwards, this person said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it's going to go out. And all this you know, stuff is about me. Um, and I said, I don't have to put it out if you don't want me to. Yeah. And they said, no, I think I'm just getting a little bit fearful. You know what was neat is after it came out, this person got so many compliments and kudos from their friends mm-hmm. that they were glad they shared it afterwards because they helped some people. So it's tough. It's tough to do that mm-hmm. on a podcast. But I want to tell the audience, wait, there's more. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you got your full-time job. Mm-hmm. Your kids are doing okay. Mm-hmm. They probably learned the value of hard work, to be quite honest, if you drag them around. My first four on the farm definitely did. I always... uh feel like my two youngest, I got to work a little harder with chores and whatnot, because raising children on a farm versus raising children not on a farm is very different. And my four older children often say, oh, they don't even know. They get everything they want. And I joke, I'm like, you know what? I'm too old to fight with them the way I fought with them. (laughs) (laughs) My grandparents, uh, their parents had a farm. And I remember as a kid going and we thought all the work was fun, but my parents would say, you know, imagine getting up at 4.30 and doing all that work and then going to school and then coming home and, mm-hmm. you know, and I thought, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. So you um, you got your full-time job. Life is, is it cruising around pretty good for a little while? Yeah. So, and then? <laughs> I actually retired from my corporate world job um, in December, December 1st of 2022. Okay. I got remarried in September of 22. And uh, my second youngest son got a scholarship to play football at a private school out in the area uh, that we live in now. So I sold my home and we moved to this area now, Waterford area. And I talked to my husband and I said, you know, I was in a good position with the sale of my home and I was able to pay myself my salary that I had been making for about two years. And I said, what do you think about this? I'd really like to 
yeah, I had started writing again and, you know, taking a little step back, you know, when I was in school and then found my career, my writing had stopped. I took a hiatus from it. I was actually blogging for the Detroit News and writing for several online publications. I had several articles published in print magazines on gardening and whatnot. You did that while you were working full-time? No, I did that uh, previously. And then- I gotcha. Yeah, then I went back to school full-time and working basically full-time with the four jobs. And I just had to put everything that I was doing personally on hold. Yeah. So like I said, I had taken a writing hiatus. Then I got my career, my job, and there was no time for me or what I wanted to do. That's what I wondered. That's why it all stopped is because you had that full-time job and you're raising kids. Yeah. And so 2014, I stopped writing. And so my blog kind of everything got pushed to the back. So 2022, I started writing again and not as often as I would like to, but I was getting content out there, you know, kind of doing my thing. And then when I talk to my husband. He's like, you know what? He goes, you could always get another job, Gene. He goes, you know, a ton of people, you are great at what you do and you'll be able to get another job. So if you want to try and I 100% support you. So I resigned my last day uh, with the chamber, which I love my job. Don't get me wrong. I loved what I did. I was in, in event management. So I was running the farmer's market in Dearborn and um, loved it. But I really wanted to do my own thing. Yeah, I get it. So I was working on my second cookbook and selling my current cookbook and writing and reconnecting with all of my, those bridges I never wanted to burn. And I did. I started teaching classes at different places with people I used to know when I was doing all that. And uh, so this past year, 2023, was very, very, very good. And uh, so I'm continually growing and, you know, building my reputation and teaching and and speaking and writing and just taking one day at a time. So that's kind of where I'm at now. So we skipped over one part that I, if you don't mind sharing, you were engaged to someone before you. So I'm going to back up a minute and you got your full time job. Yep. Life is good. You met somebody. You are engaged. Yep. Um, I think you bought a house together. Yep. Take me from there if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. I want you to share this because um, when I say, wait, there's more, um, you have enough hurdles to jump over in life. And then this goes and happens too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, after, you know, I got a divorce and I separated with my husband in 2014, did all what I was talking about. Fall of 2015, I met uh, my fiance at that time. We were ready to get married in December of 19, which is when I graduated uh, with my bachelor's degree. Uh, But unfortunately, after four years of being with this man, he was uh, killed in a car accident in September of 2019. So I was trying to wrap up my degree. So, you know, obviously I talked to all my professors and I was able to get uh, a couple of weeks is that why you were getting your master's and working the different jobs or were you working? No, um, actually, I got my job with the DDA uh, after I got my associate's degree. And so during that time, so and then uh, we had purchased our home in 2018. He died in 2019. And so, um, yeah, during that time, you know, there was another hurdle, as you you know mentioned in life. Yeah, it was a surprise, too. I mean, when someone um, passes away. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, he left in the morning and just didn't come home that night. Yeah, you said I kissed him goodnight in the mor- in the morning and or kissed him for a good day, and then he didn't come back. Yeah, and uh, thankfully he was actually a banker, and so he was smart with money. And uh, thankfully, you know, he had taken care of some things so that I would be okay if anything ever happened. Uh-oh. So at that time. You know, it was a lot here. Again, I have these two young boys and now this really big house on seven acres and 4,000 square foot home, beautiful home and, you know, 2,000 square foot pole barn on seven acres. And it was our forever home. It was where we were going to retire. And, you know, I love to entertain. And so we bought that house with our future in mind. So that future, another, you know, thing in life, you know, make your plans and plan your future. But, you know, at any moment, something can just be taken away. And, you know, I explained to you, it's like, well, now here I was, it's like, thank goodness I had my job. And actually the next year we were up for a raise. So I was able to get a a significant raise for 2020, which kept me afloat. So for about two years, I was single. And then I met my current husband now who he was, he actually is a widower. Uh, His wife passed as well. And so we kind of had that in common. We just connected right away. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, everything happens for a reason. And and I really do believe life is filled with, you know, unexpected. Yeah, it is. I don't know what reasons are. I sometimes don't like when someone says that because you're like, well, what is what is the reason yeah. that I've had such heartache? I mean, yeah. sometimes just stuff happens. Yeah, stuff happens. That you wouldn't have made it if he didn't buy life insurance. And I know this is such a Mm-hmm. Horrible topic. I have to tell you that that's when I started selling when I was, I started my business when I was 24. Mm-hmm. Think about this. Who wants to invest with a 24 year old, right? So I sold a lot of life insurance. And what's funny is I'd been investing since I was 12. So I had 12 years experience that's awesome. investing when I was 24. But who knows that and who trusts that and totally get it. But I sold a lot of life insurance. And I'll tell you, my best memories are going to someone's house with a huge check. Yeah. Think about that because the person's thinking, holy crap, how am I going to manage? Yes. And you have this check to get you by and figure it out. Yeah. And depending on how you plan, but it gives you enough that you can get on your feet and, you know, and it did that for you too. So, Oh, 100%. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, in my situation, and if you don't have life insurance, if anybody's listening today, it really is something to consider because without that, if he would not have taken care of that, made sure, you know, I was able to pay off the mortgage of our home to where then all I had to do was take care of the property taxes, which was manageable for me with what salary that I was making. Especially with kids. I mean, yeah. And you've been there, done that. So you would have managed, but it's nice to have a little bit of help. Yeah. It didn't make you rich either. I, I don't mean that in a rude way. Oh, no, no. But people think, oh, I don't want to buy life insurance to make my spouse or my loved ones rich. It's like, you're not, no. believe me. No. <laughs> I was very fortunate. I was able to pay off the mortgage of our home. It, then I did invest a lot of it. And so that is basically my retirement fund. Yeah. You know, and then I do also have the other one that I was talking to you about that I have my two sons. They have a small investment account there too. Nice. But before any of that was when I actually started investing in the other platform on my own. And then I do have life insurance as well, because, you know, for my husband, if something happens, it's not a tremendous amount, but it's something that, you know, can at least give him a couple months, 
you know, or so of like taking care of stuff. You're just helping someone you love. And yeah, my kids, I'm going to throw you a ringer, but okay. I will say <laughs> people, one, someone asked me, they said, did you like selling life insurance? And we still sell it at our firm, but okay. I tell people, People that buy life insurance, they love someone. <laughs> I said, so it's actually a very positive purchase to me. Yeah. Because if you don't love someone, you don't purchase it. That's how you treat people that you care about. And what I wanted to bring up, because you've had, um, and I grew up in Detroit. Uh, my parents had six kids, 1,000 square foot home. By all means, we made the bills, but we weren't what you'd call, we're probably lower middle class. Yeah. But here's my thought or question to you is, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, you know, people that are, I'm going to call working class, and as I moved up in life, the conversations are different in the families. So people that have a little bit more means will talk about investments, and they'll talk about life insurance. You learn from that, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're barely making ends meet, you're not talking about how can I invest my money it was interesting when I was little, if someone got a new car, we all ran over there to look at their new car. And for some reason, not all, but a lot of people want to show their wealth by buying a new car or nice things, where if you're making enough, the normal conversation shouldn't be about the new car. The conversation shouldn't be about what's working for you, about investing, and who did you go to to buy your life insurance. And believe it or not, that's a normal way of life that I think my parents missed out on because they didn't talk to people about investments or anything like that. The conversations were different mm -hmm. and that's the purpose of the podcast. So my question to you is when you think about you're making ends meet, you're even on assistance and then later on in life, you're working, you're making enough money and things are doing better. Mm -hmm. Aren't the conversations different? Yeah, 100%. And I will say the moment I got my career job, I like to call it, that is when I started the MESP fund for my sons, my two younger sons, and also their investment account. And they also have a savings account. And when you were talking about, you know, dollar for dollar with the vehicle, my thought process, and mind you, I'm making $32,000 a year uh -huh. and I'm getting about $112 for child support. Okay. So I'm not getting a lot of money. Yeah. Here. What do you do with all that money? <laughs> Check out my Porsche back there. But anyways, <laughs> as soon as I got my full-time salary job, that was the first thing I started to do is I got an investment account for myself first and I just put $100 a month. And I was like, you know what? It'll add up. It felt good though, didn't it? it did. didn't, mentally, didn't you shift a little bit like, okay, I'm going to put money in my 401k. Yes. I'm going to start yes. investing. Yeah, it mentally shifts you. And I thought $100, that's, that's you know, 1200 bucks a year. And it's like, oh, that's piddly. But you know what? 1200 plus 1200 plus, in, you know, all the money you make on it, it will add up. And then my next step was I got the boys, their Michigan education savings plan, and I put $50 a month in. And then after that, I opened up their savings account and I put $50 a month into that. So I had, what, $300 a month going into that, which it still does. Were your conversations about these things? Maybe it was all private, but... Oh, no, I shared it with my children. I showed them. How about friends or family members or people? Oh, yeah, my, my good friend and my older children. I was like, you know what? This is where you need to be right now. You can afford $25 a month. 
I know you can afford. Stop buying that. Quit getting your nails done. Quit doing this and put that $25 in an investment account. And two of my my two older sons both have an investment account with that same platform as well. But for my two younger sons, I show them. I show them their savings account every time they earn money or whatever, whenever that money goes in, I show them, here's your savings. This is what you're adding up. And I show them their their savings plan for their education. And I show them their investment account so they can actually see that money you know, compiling. It's an attitude shift though, definitely. And, it does. and by showing your kids that are newly working, that makes their attitude shifted sooner than yours, which you did mm-hmm. them a big solid there. I hope so. They're investors at a young age. And my kids were too. So that's the other issue is my parents didn't know better to teach me anything. Yeah, mine didn't either. Yeah. My grandparents raised me. And so it was like, they were older. And so, you know, my grandfather was a blue collar worker for Chrysler's and uh, my grandma was a stay home mom. My mom was there in the picture, but um, she did not raise me. We were raised more like sisters. Yeah. And so, you know, she did not have an education. My mom's brother, his wife, my aunt, she was a teacher. She always was the one who encouraged me, go to school, Janan, you know, go to school, get your education, do this, you know, make sure you're doing this. And she was really my inspiration Nice for a lot of things and why I went to school after, you know, high school or went to college after high school. And, um, you know, because that was not encouraged, you know, where now you know, with my children, it's like, you know, you need trade school or college something, you know, because trade school is is great, too. And I don't think trade schools get as much push as they should, because especially if you're entrepreneurial, you know, if you go to a trade school and you become a plumber or an electrician or an HVAC guy, you start out with a company, but then you can, in pretty short order, start your own business. So if you're a more entrepreneurially minded person like myself and some of my children are, you know, have those dreams, have those goals. And the one thing that I like to talk about too is is goals and goal setting and writing those, making those lists of like, where do you want to be? You know, one, three, five, 10 year plans, you know, make those, make it for everything, especially your finances. You know, where do you want to be? When do you want to retire? Okay, you want to retire at this age? How are you going to get there? Oh yeah. And I want to say that trade schools, I'm glad you encourage entrepreneurship, but trade schools are very good. You make very, very good money. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story. This is an old story, but it would apply to now. Um, my mom sold appliances at Sears. And it's funny because um, I think I was in high school or college and one of my friends, they kind of were derogatory. They're making fun of, uh, look at that guy over there, you know, he sells refrigerators for a living. And I said, you know why? And he goes, what? I said, they make six figures. <laughs> they do really well. I said, they make more than those office workers that you work with. And they're like, oh, they had no idea. Mm-hmm. So my, here's my point. Don't judge people because a lot of these trained school people that become electricians and plumbers and such make very good money. And one of my most wealthy clients is a plumber, by the way. Mm-hmm. So don't bypass that. If you're not college material, it's okay. Go find a different passion. My second son, he is just not book smart. He, he's not dumb by any means. It's not his thing, right? No, but I'll tell you right now, when he was five years old, he could take a bike apart, a lawnmower apart, and put it back together. 
then there you go. He is mechanically minded and people learn differently. And now he is making great money. He's a lineman. He just put his application in for a big company and he's doing great. He'll be 24, 25 in May and uh, he's doing great and he loves what he does. You're being a very good mom. You're helping him. And that's what people are missing here. And that's why I love these stories that yours is an especially inspiring story because you really, I don't mean it negatively, but you started pretty far on the bottom. So did I. Oh, yeah. And uh, it took a little bit of time, but we managed. And that's what I want people to know is, you know, don't give up. Just keep plugging along. This February will be 10 years since I started my new life. You're one of the most energetic people I've met. Like I'm pretty energetic <laughs> I <hear that> a <laughs> lot. and I wear, I wear people out. And I said to you, I think when we first talked, I said, you're making me tired. <laughs> my nickname is the Energizer Bunny. So <laughs> yeah, like my character comparisons, Tigger. So okay. there you go. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> you bounce. Yeah, I bounce. I, you know, but I think we are happy and we enjoy what we do. And that's why we have all that energy. Yeah. So maybe that's the message today, actually, mm -hmm. is, you know, keep following when you're most happy. Yeah. You know, because sometimes people just plug through, whether it's work, marriages, life or whatever in general. Yeah. And if you're plugging along and you're not enjoying it, keep looking around because you might find a little bit better path, right? Find what you love and make it happen that you can do it. You know, like I said, you know, get your goals, get your get the dream that you want and figure out how to get it. Make that plan of action. Write it down so that, you know, I love having a checklist. I mean, isn't it great when you have a list and you're checking it off and yes. to completion? There's nothing better. I'm a very visual person. And when I can see that list getting checked off, it's like so rewarding in itself. It's better than making a hundred bucks. You know, it's like, I did it. I accomplished it. I reached my goal. You know, find out what you love and go for it. I agree with your checklist and I agree with a vision board or something. Of oh, yeah. Where do you want to head to? We've had guests and I, I took a complete right turn on my career. I was heading toward one way and completely made a right turn. I ended up not liking what I was going for. One of our earlier podcasts, we had a young man that had his dream job and was miserable. Mm -hmm. And he quit and I think it was a 30, almost 40% pay cut. Yeah. And I think his friends and his parents are like, you're nuts. You're crazy. But he knew he couldn't stand it. He knew in his heart he couldn't stand what he was doing. And he's doing just fine now. He's doing very well. And sometimes a little less money, but quality of life is worth so much more. Well, and he made it up over the years because he did what he loved. So he ended up doing you know, wonderfully. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to share before we wrap up? Because you you had such a good story. Yeah, no, I just, uh, but I always say with my podcast, it, with the stories that my, uh, my guests, I always say if it impacts one person in a positive light, then it was all worth it. So I'm going to put on my podcast, they're going to see your website and different things. But you tell me, how do you want people to get a hold of you if they want more from you. My handle for everything is for dragonflies and me. Uh, so my podcast, my blog, my social media handles, my YouTube channel, that's pretty much, you know, it depends on what you're looking for. And, uh, you know, I hope I can meet many people's needs. And so, you know, just pretty much directing people to my blog at www.fordragonfliesandme.com. That will get you to everything else. And that's kind of the primary platform. 
And we spell it out. It's the word F-O-R, dragonflies and me, just so they know. Um, They'll see it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I'm very glad that you shared your story. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Jill. I appreciate you uh, providing me the opportunity to share it with your listeners. Thanks for listening to Uncommon Sense. I'm Jill Gleba. For more stories and all the financial knowledge you wish somebody had taught you, you can find my book, Uncommon Sense, at jillgleba.com. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.